there was a lot of, you can't take this from me. You can't take this from me. Like, if we get married, you promise you will not take this from me. And I, and I didn't want to. I said, if you want to get married, I love you, but I'm already doing this. And I really feel like this is what God wants me to do. So if you think that you can't Change handle me. it, right. right? So when I got married, nothing changed in my mind in regards to what my priority was. I had a wife, but my priority was ministry. And we were okay until we had kids. Then it kind of like, wait a minute, what are you, what, we're not your priority? This is Behind Our Smiles. Pursuing connection. And finding joy. Even in the struggle. And welcome to another episode of the Behind Our Smiles podcast. We're Joe and Tara. And we're so excited to have guests today. This yes. is a special occasion. We are talking with Chad and Katie Matson. And maybe you don't know Chad by name, but I'm sure you've heard his voice. He's the mm-hmm. lead singer of Unspoken. They've had monster hits like Start a Fire and Call it Grace and Reason, Reason and so many others. And uh, Chad has spoken from stage all over the world, really. He's very open about how God pulled him out of a life of addiction mm-hmm. and different things that he's had to deal with. But this is the very first time that they've uh, sat down and talked about their marriage. There's always another side to the story. So yeah. we're giving his wife the mic to say, we want the real story. <laughs> and they share, you know, so authentically and so genuinely about the things that they'd struggled through and how God brought it to them all. And I just love talking to Katie. She is a rock star. And I know Chad would not be where he is without her influence. And even as they had songs screaming up the chart, Unspoken did, Chad and Katie were dealing with some mm-hmm. very real struggles at home and they open up and share about that today. And I'm so excited to get to it, but first wanna say a huge thanks to our amazing sponsor, Samaritan Ministries. They are a biblical solution to healthcare, connecting hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation who care for one another through prayer, encouragement, and financial support when a medical need arises. There are no network restrictions, it's affordable, and you can join today and you can find out more at samaritanministries.org slash smiles. All right, we're so excited to have Chad Matson from Unspoken and his wife Katie hanging out with us for this episode of the podcast. How are you guys doing? Doing good. good. Now give us a give us a line, Chad, to know it's really you. Sing hey, us, oh, no, sing us a song. Let's see. Mm, I don't know. You can wait. <laughs> start a fire. Hold on. Yep, start a fire in my soul. Okay, it's you. You know, I get nervous when I <laughs> sing like this. In a microphone? These impromptu without, things. Without music. Yeah. And, yeah. Sorry, that was a tough question. He doesn't have an in-ear monitor, right? Yep. So that makes a difference. Well, we won't, we won't ask you to sing anymore. There's no green room here. I refuse to say. <laughs> <laughs> it is really Chad, though. This is great to have you guys here. So your story is incredible. It's going to be fun to unpack today. But I want to start, kind of go back to the beginning of how you guys met. So we went to two high schools that were about 15 minutes away from each other. And both of our high schools were schools that smaller towns in between us, you could choose his school or my school. So there were a lot of siblings. One would go to his school, one would go to mine. Um, And so we had a lot of mutual friends and we played sports and just knew each other. We were both all stars in our own high school. Mm -hmm. So we knew of each other that i I was all state i was all state he was just all state honorable mention yes but um i would say that we knew of each other didn't know each other but the first time we would actually really have seen each other was i went to a college to play basketball and i got a job at the gap Hmm. and at that gap and i still remember i used to buy extra small (laughs) pocket tees from the gap because I was working out and I was ripped. And so I wanted to, that was like the first time I had ever been in shape. 
And uh, so I said, you know what? I'm buying all these colors, all the colors of every shirt. I might as well just work there. So I went in, and she was one of the managers there. No, and, I just worked there. Oh, you just worked there. She eventually became. She looked like a manager. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she could tell you herself what a good employee no, was. No, he was the worst. He, <laughs> he would only be the greeter. So he would be so obnoxious, just stand at the, hey, hi, how are you? Welcome in. Like, he only wanted to talk he to people. Fold. He didn't want to do any work. He just wanted to socialize. Well, I'm really good at that, <laughs> in my defense. So then we went our separate ways. Yep. We Did had a lot of mutual friends because of our high school situation. I was best friends with a couple of the uh, people at her school that she was really good friends with. And so fast forward, my life started unfolding and um, I became an addict and was in the party scene. And and so people would be like, hey, do you want to go hang out at this party? And I would literally say, if Chad Matson's going to be there, no, I do not. Wow. <laughs> because I could not stand him. But why? And That's the question that these people want to know. <laughs> because <laughs> you were very obnoxious and you would make scenes. And I just didn't like that. Was he kind? Uh, he, I mean, he wasn't unkind, but it was just. He just put you on Too the much. spot like and what? it made me uncomfortable. <laughs> well, then I I was, we had a friend that he used to call for his drugs. Is that okay to say? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. And, um, the truth. And he would call my phone if he knew I was hanging out with them and he would do this thing every time. Hi, Katie, this is Chad Matson. How are you? And I'd be like, I'm fine. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for asking. And then that sounds would, pretty darn kind to <laughs> me. Yeah, but it was it was really obnoxious the way he would do it. Anyway, um, so we would see each other every now and then. The last time I saw him before he gave his life to the Lord, I was giving him a ride somewhere to get drugs. I'm sure I did not do drugs. Um, I mean. Not like him. Um, and anyway, I was not a believer and I had used the Lord's name in vain. And he said, could you not use the Lord's name in vain? And I turned around and I was like, could you not be a Christian doing drugs in the back of my car? Like, who is this guy? So at this point you were a believer, Chad, but oh, you were I, in I process. I gotten saved, you know, at mm. 12 and then 13 and 14. If it, every time I had an altar call, I was just like, yes, Lord. So I really believed in God and, and I really... Um, you know, wanted to serve God. But of course, you know, the Bible says in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it's very interesting the way it says it, it says, don't be misled. So the connotation mm -hmm. is that it's easy to be misled, that bad company corrupts good character. So I'm not blaming my addiction and all of that on other people, but you become who you hang out with. So I was a believer, and then I just got you know, the Bible says that sin is fun for a season. And so all of that was fun until it wasn't anymore, until mm. it was just a way of life, until I, you know, I felt trapped and I couldn't get loose. And so that's kind of at the end of that moment, uh, at that time is, is where the story comes into play. So, so Katie, you couldn't stand Chad. Chad, how did you feel about Katie? I thought she was a cute redhead, you know? <laughs> I mean... I didn't know her that well. Did you like teasing her? You know what they say about boys who <laughs> Yeah, I don't girls. know if it was like <laughs> if it was if there was anything flirtatious necessarily going on, but I just like she said, I'm just a little bit more obnoxious and animated and I don't know if condescending is the right word, but it's maybe that's why mm. you hated it. Um, cuz she does not like condescending um, conversations. Uh, even to this day. So 
I don't know. Just so when did the when did it start to shift for you, Katie? When did you start to look at Chad differently? So he went. I saw him that last time, and then he went on a missions trip to the Dominican. Um, and during that time, a friend of mine, I was raised. My mom was an atheist growing up, and so I was never in church. And a friend of mine mentioned like going to a Bible study. And I was like, I have no pulse over what these people believe, but I'm interested. And um, so our one of our mutual friends was like, call Chad. I bet he would know of a Bible study. And I'm like, oh, this guy. And I had him in my phone as Bible boy because I thought <laughs> it was just so ironic that he was a druggy Christian. Um, but anyway, so I called him and he was very up on himself because he was like, well, we are doing a Bible study at my house, but I don't want there to be any distractions. So I don't know if you should I know come. a beautiful woman when I see one. <laughs> I didn't want to be- yeah, but he said something else like motivations or made it sound like I was like after him. And mm. I'm like, give me a break. Which was, did turn out true. to be true. <laughs> no. um, and so anyway, he then called me back. Um, and said, hey, if you and your friend want to come to this Bible study, we're going to open it up. And so we started going and I just kind of saw the Lord get a hold of him and that became more attractive to me. So I want to go back just a a couple of seconds here to your mission trip because that was a life-changing experience for you. But what happened? How did God get a hold of you? Um, I knew that I wanted to walk with God. I just didn't know how to do it. I didn't have the power over the sin in my life. And when you're living in sin, you're constantly living in condemnation and unworthiness and all of this stuff. And and so you don't really understand the grace and the love of God, or at least I didn't at the time. So I I had an opportunity. There was a missionary that came to our church, and my brother got his business card. And he, when, when I saw him, he gave me the card and said, I just felt like I was supposed to give you this missionary's card. So I hung it on my bulletin board and never really thought of it. And as you know, the months went by, it was like every time I walked into the room, the card would grow and it's all I could see. And so finally I was like, all right, I'll call this number. So I got a calling card um, because that's how I used to be able to call long distance and called and asked uh, to speak to the missionary. And it was Mitch Martinez, who was in La Vega, Dominican Republic. And uh, I said, can I come hang out with you? And he was like, uh yeah, sure. I mean, what group are you with? Because normally missionaries would come and build churches and houses and all that. I said, well, there ain't no group. It's just me. And he was like, well, you know, do you speak Spanish? And I was like, no, I failed French in high school. And he said, well, let me talk to your pastor. And I said, oh, God, no, don't call Pastor Bert. And Pastor Bert happens to be John, our bass player and and co-writer, his dad. And so Pastor Bert talked to the missionary and said, you know, the kid's a little sketchy, but we believe that God, you know, has a plan for his life. So the missionary called me back and said I could come. So the problem was at the time I owed $3,000 to a drug debt and I had no money because in Maine, I had a landscape company and I'm sure similar to Illinois, there's not a ton of work that you can do unless you have plow trucks and blah, blah, blah. Um, So I, I didn't have a lot of work at the time. So I needed money to go on this trip. This is so cool how God works. I worked for a guy that was... Uh, lived an alternative lifestyle, that's the safest way I can say it, Um, was a doctor. Um, He was a a white guy from Maine that was a practicing Hindu. Hmm. And he 
heard about my situation because I worked for him and he had a summer house in Maine. And I mentioned, man, you know, I want to, you know, I want to go to the Dominican Republic and kind of try to get my life straight. And he told me, if you go, I'll pay half your plane ticket and give you $500 to give to the missionaries. So it was so neat because that was what I needed. And I look back and I'm just like blown away that God will use. I mean, the Mm -hmm. Bible says that he'll use the wealth of the wicked and he used this guy. And so I don't know what it was, but God stirred him. And I just look back and I, I remember leaving him a voicemail years later just saying, I'm on the radio, you know, in my life. I'm a musician, first of all. That's crazy. Second of all, God's opened these doors. I'm married. I have kids. And I said, I just want to thank you so much for investing in me. So that was kind of where my life changed in the Dominican because I started to read the Bible and pray. And so for the first time as a believer, I actually started to hang out with Jesus and then go figure, my whole life changed around. And I'm not kidding you. When I got back to my hometown, uh, people would come up to me and say, there's something different about you. What is it? And because it was like I was living in darkness, and then the light of God came into my life, and he just changed everything. I was so excited. I just wanted to tell everybody <laughs> that's how Unspoken started. Where does the where does Katie come in after the, after the change happens? You notice the change? Yep, we're in Bible study together. And probably for... <clears throat> Eight months, I think we were in Bible study for eight months before we started dating. And then yep. we dated for just uh, like five days shy of a year and got, and then we were married. I was oh. hesitant to get married, oh, if I'm going to be honest with you, because here I am, like my whole life has changed around, but I have no clue. I have no job that pays money. I have no insurance. <laughs> I have, I mean, I was literally making 25 bucks a week when I met her like when I was in doing uh, unspoken no it's 250 bucks a month which and my parents were really excited about when I, <laughs> when I brought him home <laughs> exactly not only a musician but a radical Jesus lover <laughs> in a home that didn't really know about God so this was like a double whammy but when we did get engaged it was awesome because we got engaged and then I was like yay when are we getting married and he was like wait what and I'm like wait what and he's like no we're just engaged and I'm like you understand why people get engaged, right? And he was like, oh, I just wanted to get engaged so that like we would get married at some point, but I'm not ready to get married. put you on hold. Yes. (laughs) And so- Well, again, I was turned up inside. I didn't have a way to provide. My life was so unstable and it was like, I I just wanted to serve God and I just wanted to do whatever God, you know, wherever he led me and whatever it was. So I think I just, I didn't quite get it. But um, our, our engagement was pretty brutal. Like, I don't think anybody actually wanted us to get married, <laughs> sadly. Don't well, they're all happy now. Oh, I, totally. No, no, they do. And my parents adore Chad and, you know, but it was just funny looking back because we fought so much. Well, it was being on the road. It was me not, you know, not wanting to commit to anything, like really commit because... I had all my own fears and things like that. So, And you also wanted to be the boss of me all the time, remember? That I still want. <laughs> <laughs> so how long were you engaged before you were married? About a year. Yeah, okay. I think it so was... came around. We got, mar- we got engaged on September 8th, and we got married the following September 3rd. Yep. So, That's right. yeah. So when you get married, then, Chad, you're already on the road. I'm on the but road. But it's, it's a sketchy kind of oh my. schedule. Oh. Well, well, he had a really good idea that I would stay in Maine and live in his parents' basement and he would continue with his job. And I was like, now my parents do have an apartment in their basement. We could (laughs) stay there for free. There was a lot of good benefits. Katie was 
a manager and a merchant at the Gap. She traveled around, did a, a lot of the um, visual, visual marketing and stuff like that. So she had a great job. And so, like, I really married up at this point because <laughs> my 250 bucks a week, a month, um, or I guess it was 250 bucks a week. Um, uh, but she was making money. She had insurance and all of that. Um, and so it made sense to me, keep your job and I'll keep traveling. But there were some really cool things that happened. I went to Russia with a church from Philadelphia and the guy, uh, pastor who invited me, uh, happened to have a row home, two row homes in mm. Trenton, New Jersey. Now, when I pitched the idea of Trenton, New Jersey to my wife, she did a Google search <laughs> and was not very happy because it was in the top 10, 10. Uh, most dangerous cities. So we lived at the very front of the ghetto basically and the very first street and and i live we live next to a pastor and a prostitute and a meth lab and so it was you know somewhat sketchy but we did have some a pastor friends right next door and then i would leave and go travel and then katie would be uh, home alone and yeah and and all of that and so that's kind of yeah we were traveling every sing every single weekend we had a weekend off it was rare so now we don't travel like that anymore but we did for 13 years how did that feel chad knowing that your wife was being left in a place that wasn't necessarily the safest place to leave her and yet be you know go on the road um well i had i was okay with it because i really trusted god now i may have hidden behind some of these things like there was things i couldn't change and so then i would just say well you know it's the lord and you know whatever but, yeah, I, really, but I think that remember the Lord, you said the Lord spoke to you that like if you were continuing to do his work. That's right. I felt like the Lord spoke to my spirit because I was a little bit concerned uh, with Katie. And then, of course, we had a baby and, the, and we lived there. And, and I felt like the Lord spoke to my spirit and said, you know, I'll, I'll protect your family um, when you're not home. Like, you know, I'll, mm. I'll take care of them. And so that felt good to me. <laughs> uh, didn't necessarily feel as good to Katie, but uh, you know there was also an element there that I just couldn't change. So I just had to trust God with it because I knew God wanted me to. And I don't think that I really like when I got married. Nothing changed in my mind in regards to what my priority was. I had a wife, but my priority was ministry. My priority was what God had put my you know put in my heart um, when I got saved. And so it took me about what. 14 years, no, <laughs> 10 years to like, to really have a, a, a better understanding of that. And really what it is, is that I always thought like my calling and your calling isn't your gifting. It isn't what you're doing with your hands. Your calling is to be holy. Your calling is to make disciples. A lot of us think like our calling is what we do for the Lord and that somehow we're going to miss this. And so at least I thought that way. And so here's this kind of fear-based way of living that maybe I'm going to miss this and, oh, you know, I'm going to waste my life. And so I had to come to the understanding that my calling was to love God and that I could do many other things. You know, God may be leading me in different directions, but that I thought that I was like Jonah, that if I did anything other than unspoken, I would be thrown off the ship. And that, that's how I thought of it. And so, of course... I didn't think that was the right thing to not do it because mm -hmm. if I didn't do that, what's God going to do? So I, I really struggled with this. And of course, I grew up in the church, I had this good foundation, but I was still young in the Lord and, right. and I got saved and then thrown right into ministry. 
And so I still had a lot of growing up to do and a lot of learning to do. And maybe that's why the Lord took us on this freaking 19-year um, <laughs> journey. Journey. So we're basically talking about expectations, right? So you're, you're getting married. You have these thoughts. Chad, you're wrestling with wanting to serve God and trying to figure out how to best do that and honor God. But Katie, I've got to imagine that your expectations of marriage, this is not what you were thinking. Well, even though you knew you were marrying a musician and you knew that mm-hmm. he had no money. Yeah. Right? But yeah. But you're still, when you fall in love and you f- found the good sides of him somewhere in there. Yeah. And you were still hoping for something good, yeah, I hope. I think early, I mean, there was the, the few disappointments early on in our marriage um, of just Chad making choices that weren't awesome, I feel like. But then... At that time, though, I mean, we didn't have kids yet, and so I was pretty independent. Um, Like, I just, for the most part, I feel like we were okay until we had kids. Then it kind of kicked up into high gear of like, wait a minute, what are you, we're not your priority? Mm -hmm. But there was a lot of, um, I don't know, just, you can't take this from me. You can't take this from me. Like, if we get married, you promise you will not take this from me. And And I didn't want to, and at that time, it was fine, I think. Is that something he said or something you just knew was no, being no, communicated? He said, oh, okay. he said it. Okay. A lot. It wasn't just his actions. No, yeah, no, no. I said, if you want to get married, I was already doing this. I love you, but I'm already doing this. And I really feel like this is what God wants me to do. So if you think that you can't Change handle me. it, right. right? But that's not really how marriage works. As you get into it, I know that I, I wanted her to stop working as soon as she had a baby because I didn't want her to be gone while I was home and then actually that that was really the Lord too because I worked a job and my boss did not like me for some reason and she oh gosh she was like mm, hard on me and Chad would pray every day give her favor at work give her favor at work and then right before we found out we were pregnant with crew Chad was like why don't you leave your job and I was like, because I make 95% of our income and carry all of our benefits. Um, but he was like, no, I, I, the Lord will provide. Like, I'd love to have you travel with me, leave your job. So I gave my notice and I don't know what happened other than the Lord changed her heart. And she was like, I don't want you to leave. I, I don't want to lose you. You have all kinds of um, paid time off saved up. Like if you will stay and work when you're in town, you can have the freedom to travel with your husband. You'll be able to keep all your benefits. And so I did. I barely worked throughout my whole pregnancy and was able to be paid a full-time salary and keep my benefits. Wow. So that was pretty amazing. And that's, again, a a great example of God's provision. But going into marriage with these ideas in your head, Chad's going to be doing this, I'm going to be doing this. How was it different than you expected? Probably didn't feel very teamy. Like we were a team. Yeah, I definitely, definitely did not feel that. Um, There were relationships in the band that felt like competition for our marriage. Mm. So that was really hard for me. Um, It was like we both wanted to be Chad's number Number one. one, Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that did feel a little bit hard. But I think the harder stuff started really when I saw the way Chad took care of other people. That's when I was like, wait a minute, this is not okay. He was always great to his band members and their spouses, but he didn't think we had the, I don't know. Well, the the difference is, is that if there was a lot of pressure on me because if I didn't work, nobody worked. And then 
I was able to alleviate that from for everybody else because, oh, we'll find somebody else. You do what you need to do for your family. But no one ever gave me that permission because it meant that they weren't making any money too. So there was a lot of pressure on me on that side. And there was a ton of pressure on on the, the home side because I wasn't being the the leader and you know in my home that I was should have been and also at this time <clears throat> Chad wasn't just traveling and doing unspoken when he was home he wasn't actually home he was working like I don't know painting apartments mm-hmm. and doing other jobs because at this point unspoken hadn't gotten the top of the game right, yet no record yeah. deal no. so you were just right. still paying your dues yeah right. so mm-hmm. how many years between like you get married to when centricity records? 11 11 years so wow. yeah so there's like 10 years of straight up legit poverty like legit poverty no that's not accurate yeah it is 2003 to 2012 we well, signed well we got married in 2005 and right? I'm saying unspoken was right. 2003, so we weren't making any money. Of, of your married life. Married life. So oh, gotcha. 2005, and then you signed with Centricity. So that must have been at the so end of 2012. It was the end of 2012. Gotcha. So it was seven years. And you had yeah. two kids yeah. at that point, I was, right? And I was pregnant with Edie. And it's not oh. like when we got signed, we started making money. Well, yeah, I was going to say, everything not. changed, right? I mean, no. our whole life just glimmer got... of hope, right? It was a glimmer of hope, and we felt like, you know, it's just been neat to see... Um, that staying at something and following the Lord and trusting God. And God had come through so many times. It's unbelievable uh, how many times the Lord had provided um, for us. But it wasn't consistent and it wasn't, you know, um, every month it was like, oh, here's something that came up we weren't expecting. And thank you, God. But, you know, the wives, they want something that's constant that they can mm-hmm. count on, you know? Grocery stores are fun places to shop. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I just thought of this. When we got married, I remember living in New Jersey and we would have family come to visit and I would be working and Chad would be like riding carriages around Philadelphia. <laughs> and I remember being so annoyed. And I, that was hard for me because I grew up with a stay-at-home mom and a dad who worked was a laborer. He worked in a mill very like man's man. And um, so I remember getting married and then being like, wait, what is this? This is very weird. Why am I the breadwinner? Why is he entertaining guests and like doing those things? It's my gifting. (laughs) Um, So that was difficult. And then the first time um, my car broke down and I was like, you're going to fix it, right? And he was like, absolutely not. Like, because my dad had always done those things. So there were little things like that. I can fix some things, actually, replace the battery, all actually, that Actually, kind of our stuff. first argument in, our first argument as a married couple in New Jersey was my mom was a clean freak. Like, absolutely, you could eat off her floors. And I looked over and Chad was cleaning the trash can. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like he's cleaning out the trash can. And then I looked over a few minutes later and he was like wiping the counters with the same sponge. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> not acceptable. Yeah, definitely not. That so, was our first fight. So you, you get signed, you have your first song, Who You Are, ends up on the radio. Um, was there this idea that things were going to change? Did you feel like yes, things were happening? I- idea that it was going to change. And but, things were changing. There was things happening, and God was using it in big ways that we couldn't even have imagined. But I was still working. Mm-hmm. I was still, you know, gone when I was uh, gone and gone when I was home. And I hated that. Like there, it became a time where obviously we had these kids and Katie, and you know. And and also, I mean, there's just such a 
like misconception that if you're on the radio, you're making a ton of money or you're, you know, mm. doing great. So it was who you are. You were on tour with Sanctus Real mm. and we we're on food stamps and state insurance. So we were like still poor, poor. Mm. So. Mm. And the pressure to work more is there, especially as an artist. You can't turn down dates. Right. You you're at that stage no because you have to give, take your chance if it's there. Well, the, the interesting thing that you bring that up, because I always told Katie, when I did everything I could to find work and find gigs, right? So whether it was um, in construction or if it was, and we were still playing a hundred plus dates every year. So we were playing every, like I said, three times a week. So I would try to find work, different things um, so that we could make money. And at one point in our marriage, Katie said, like, I've heard you say after all these years that we can trust God to provide, you know, when we've done everything we can, you know, and nothing, no doors open. And we could, we could trust God for that. So we did all the due diligence, nothing open, and somehow God would still provide. She said, well, then why can't you trust God to say no um, with mm. what, when you know you should be saying no? Because obviously every time we say yes, we're saying no to something else. Right. And there was times that I needed to say no to work um, because it was the right thing to do. And I can, it's the same God that, you know, has been providing. So it really like shook my whole life for a second. I said, there is no reason. That's a great point. This is awesome. There's no reason I can say no. If, if I know it's the right thing to do and still trust that God provides. So that was a big turning point um, as well uh, for us. Because that provision, obviously financial is huge, but at the same time, Katie would say, we also really need a dad who's around. Mm -hmm. And that emotional support, you can't purchase that. You can't yeah. borrow that from someone else. Like dad needs to be around and you need to have time for your marriage. And that probably wasn't happening. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. he, he did sort of purchase it because <laughs> he would like fly in his mom I'd be like, please but it's not your go. husband. Exactly. Yeah. And he'd be like, oh, my mom's coming. And I'm like, so what? <laughs> or my sister's coming or your mom's coming, which was great. And right. I so appreciate them yeah. coming. But yeah, not my husband. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like, I will say that, sorry, that, you know, like I traveled a hundred days a year or more, but I mean, that's still quite a few days at home. Mm -hmm. So I never felt like you know, I was just way off in left field, like mm -hmm. leaving for months at gotcha. a time. And well, blah, I blah, think blah. I think the difference is you were gone a lot, and then when you were home, you were gone a lot. But he was always super intentional with the kids. I'm trying to make myself gotcha. feel better. <laughs> no, that's all right. Yeah, well, I just I guess I'm more thinking the that, feeling right? that you had, right? Yes. The feeling going, yeah, it's always unstable, or mm. it's totally, yeah. And I just didn't know that like wives wanted stability. <laughs> I had no freaking clue. <laughs> So I, I just didn't understand that. And, and how was the transition, right? The transition from road life to home life? Was that a smooth? Oh, we were just talking about that on the way here. It was terrible. It was like living in constant chaos because he would be gone. He did a lot longer stints then too. It would be like 10 days, two weeks where it's not really like that anymore. But um, <clears throat> he would be gone for 10 days and around like day six or seven, I would start to settle into a routine with the kids. And then he would come in and like disrupt everything. And then we'd get it settled back down and then he'd be out again. And I remember saying to him, he came in and tried to change something. And I was like, listen, I'm the foreman on the job. You're just hired gun right now. So just do as you're told because it was just chaos for all of us. 
I am so grateful, Chad and Katie, for you taking time to share your story with us vulnerably and open today. And I can't wait to get back to it because I happen to know some of the things that God has done in and through your story and some of the heartache that you yet had to walk through, some of the anxiety and things like that that you're going to share here in just a few minutes. But first, I wanted to take just two minutes because our amazing sponsor for the Behind Our Smiles podcast is Samaritan Ministries, and you happen to be Samaritan members. Can you share a little bit about your experience? Yeah, well, first of all, we have loved it, and we have brought a bunch of people with us. (laughs) So that's what happens when we get passionate about something. And uh, Katie left 95% of our income and uh, our healthcare because I wanted her to so we could be together. But, um, but we found a alternative to healthcare um, that's biblical and that's totally legit. Um, and it's Samaritan ministry. So it's health sharing. It's believers from all over the country that are sharing each other's medical bills. And believe me, we've had to use this many times and it is legit it's so easy and they're so awesome and when you call in and tell them what's going on they pray for you and they want an update it's really been wonderful and when you get um checks in the mail from other members they usually write you know we're praying for you or a scripture or whatever it's been really awesome great experience for us how is it different than you thought it would be when you signed up for samaritan I thought it was going to be like a big pain in the butt and I was going to still have to pay tons of money. Mm. And it's just not the case because here we are as believers doing exactly what the book of Acts did, sharing each other's uh, burdens. Well, and Katie, you know, when you do worry about your kid's health. Yes. I mean, even when it's legitimate and your kids are sick. Yeah. Knowing the financial part is not an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Take so much of that pressure off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's been wonderful. Anyway, it's biblical. And I love getting mail. So (laughs) when we mail, I'm like, yay, cards. This is Mm -hmm. awesome. So the band starts to take off. You're having top 10 hits now. You're on number the radio. Ones. Yep, number ones. <laughs> How many um, weeks? So your whole life got, I mean, unbelievably better, right? All the problems went away. Mm-hmm. Marriage just got great. Kids were fantastic, right? No. 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 All right. So now you've got this side of things Finally working, working out. really well. God's really blessing the effort. You're seeing uh, a lot of uh, payoff for all those years of putting in. But now on your home side, what happens in that next season of life? Like we're talking about all the, the struggles, but we're not talking about any of the things that were beautiful and good. Like we still liked each other. There was mm. still a lot of good in there. It just was super hard. Yeah. And so, you know, go into this kind of season where, first of all, we just expected that we were going to have a lot of our problems were going to be solved. You know, like we were going to make a lot more money in it. And, and so that would help. So I didn't have to work again. And so when I was home, I could actually be home. It's kind of been interesting because as things have built on our ministry side, it seems like things at home start to plummet. Mm. The biggest times and most successful like touring seasons and biggest opportunities were like the absolute worst seasons. So, Katie, what was what was going on with you in that season? Oh gosh, just okay. Things so are changing I think for unspoken. We moved into. We bought our house in two thousand December of two thousand twelve. You had moved. To yeah. Nashville. As we had well. moved to Nashville. We were in 09. Yeah, in 09. And then in 2000, December of 2012, we closed on our house and I was pregnant with Edie. And that season, like my anxiety just like took off. It was crazy. And so I think at the end of my pregnancy, we were seeing a therapist in Nashville who just works with artists and their families. 
And I was telling Chad, I think I need to do something different. Like I might need medicine. And Chad was like, no, 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 that's terrible. The Lord will heal you. And then Al, I mean, pretty much went up one side of Chad and down the other and was like, you don't know what you're talking about. If she was diabetic, would you give her insulin and, you know, all the things. And so that kind of started this, like I started taking um, medication for my anxiety and I was like, I don't really like the way this makes me feel. Let me try a different one. Let me try a different one, different one, different one. And that's when the anxiety just was like, compounding and you're alone not alone but you're still home alone yeah quite a bit yeah we didn't we didn't really have community or anything yeah we didn't have friends or family in town we didn't have a lot of community because we had just moved there but i was gone every single weekend and katie had small kids and if you have you know church is almost pointless if you have (laughs) infants you know actually we were in a church at the time that they had asked me if you're going to bring your kids this is like a mega church you have to serve in the children's ministry. And I wrote the lady back and I was like, I'm actually in the middle of a nervous breakdown. I can't do that. I need one hour. Yeah. And she was (laughs) like, oh, well, if you want to bring your kids to church, you have to. And I was like, no, my husband travels full time. I'm kind of, I'm seriously in the middle of a nervous breakdown. And they, I mean, she would not relent. And so we were like, okay, that was really hard. But it's more discouraging too, knowing I just don't have support. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that I failed Katie in for sure is allowing her to bear as much as she could. Like I'd always push her as hard as I could, not to be rude or whatever, but like, you got this, you got this. Yeah, yeah, you'll be okay. God's with us. I believe all of that. It wasn't a cop out. I just, um, part of that was something that I see that I did um, before. So we're obviously trying to remedy some of that now. So can you, uh, Katie, give an example of what you were dealing with and what was the beginning of the season? What triggered the beginning of it? Mm, Well, I I had always had like some underlying anxiety. I mean, when we lived in the boondocks, um, I, I mean, it wasn't kind of, it felt that way. And I was scared. I was super scared to be alone at night. And I remember Crew and Romy being little and sorry, and she would bring the kids into the bedroom and push the dresser against the door. So that's kind of like the first signs of anxiety it's that more was than just yeah usual. Yeah, yeah but was, but I did wait till they fell asleep because I didn't want them to be scared too. Um, but then after that, it when we moved into our new house, it just like flipped to health anxiety. Everything scared me, which was new for me. So anytime someone was sick, I was immediately jumping to worst case scenario, it was a brain tumor or leukemia or any number of ailments. And so that was really tough. And then I think at some point it started to settle down a little bit. And that's when I was like, I have to get off this medication. Like I really felt from the Lord, like this was what I was supposed to do. And I did not do it like well at all. I did exactly what you're not supposed to do without a doctor. I just totally stopped cold turkey. And that is when, that was in August of 2016. And that's when it just got like really out of hand. And where was Chad at this point? You were, I was, I I just remember once talking to you, you were out, I think you were on the Christmas tour Mm -hmm. and with Crowder and I don't know who else. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, I want to die. Like, I actually want to die. I I was in the closet talking to you being like, I don't know what to do. And I think your sister came 
that time. Mm-hmm. And we also did like on on that tour. I was like, all right, well, we have a bus. God provided a bus for the group, and the main reason we wanted it was so that a we could be rested when we got home, um, so that we weren't dog tired from driving ourselves, which we had done for fifteen years, and b so that we had the space to bring family. So Katie wasn't doing well, and and she needed the help, and I had a contract that I had to, you know, be part of the this different tour or whatever it is. So they just jumped on, like, let's go. But the problem is, is that being out of your house with three kids, it's, it's not easy. On a bus. Um, <laughs> on a bus, you know, it's not easy, and, and it doesn't promote that security either of home and all of that. So I had to fly them home. You know, they were out with us for a couple of weekends, and we— and they ended up staying back, and that's when I called my so you know, sister to come in. Back up just a second. So Katie calls you, and you're on the road. You got to prepare for the show that night. What's going through your mind when she says something like, "I just want to die"? Obviously, it was like, "What? What? Well, you're kidding! Like your life's good. What are you talking about? Everything's fine. Like obviously you're anxious, but I mean, I don't think I, I really." You know, I, I just am the silver lining person. I'm the see good and everything person. So, like, part of me is just ignorant to some of this stuff. Um, so I obviously was shocked and heartbroken at the same time. Yeah. Um, being, you know, just like, it, it really can't be that bad, can it? And I think part of me didn't quite necessarily believe it. If I had, I probably would have come home. But I didn't feel like I had a valid excuse. Plus, if I got off the tour, no one's going to make any money. We weren't going to make any money to pay. We we're already on food stamps. So it wasn't a very easy place because if any one of the dudes in the band had been going through it, I said, why would you even come out? Like, you got to be home. Um, but again, I felt lonely too because there was no one there that, like, I kept talking about this stuff and nobody would kind of give me this permission to to do what I had to do. So I felt helpless. I've spent these all these years feeling helpless. Like, I can't fix this. So what was it like then? And obviously this is not a short season. It takes yeah. years. How are things different in your marriage now when you come home? I felt like when I came home, it was a relief yeah, to Katie for sure. Like, it wasn't like she hated me because I was gone. I mean, I'm sure there was resentment and stuff like that. So I when guess we- I'm thinking, like, when you came home, were you thinking, am I going to serve her or is she going to serve me? Yeah, well, we, we talked. We've talked about that a lot, but I think in that season, he started to shift into like, I'm home. I have to serve here. I have to be here. Prior to that, it was, I'm home. Serve me. Everybody else is. Green rooms, (laughs) catering. What the heck? A lot of times in marriages in general, when one person is falling apart, the other person seems to step up um, and, and take over. And so I felt like that that was a, I mean, Katie had certainly stepped up all these years while I wasn't there. Um, so when she started falling apart, like I, I became more patient. I became more yeah. like all the things that I needed to be, um, you know, obviously with the help of the Lord. Um, but uh, I mean, there were times as Katie's coming off this medicine and whatever, she just needed to sleep. And she was still going through these issues with anxiety and all of that. Yep. What was the turning point? When did things begin to change? Well, my natural personality is to be a peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, what I recognized is that I was more a peace faker than I was a maker. And so there's a lot to unpack there. And I kind of realized this 
when Katie started getting better and my life started falling apart a little bit. After feeling so unsupported by the guys in the group, and part of it I can understand, and this is where my see the best and everything, is like, ah, I can see their point. Like, they need to make money too and blah, blah, blah. But I lost it. I, like, literally lost it and just blew up and told these guys, I'm out of here. I write the songs I sing. Which uh, is not his personality <laughs> at all. All these years I had been like, you write the songs and you sing. And he's like, no, but this is my band. <laughs> So I, I just kind of lost it and out of frustration said, I sing, I write, you're a backup band. So if I don't get support, I'm out of here and I'm going to keep doing this. And you guys will really be doing nothing. Like, exactly. <laughs> I don't want any of that. I just was so frustrated and it bottled up so much. And I just couldn't believe that I wasn't getting the support that I needed. It was like an instant shift for us. I think too at that time we had started coming into some community on our own outside of the band. And then we had some personnel changes and it completely went from you owe us. Like the, that's how we felt the mentality was that we owed the band something. Like we, Chad was there for them to work for them, to serve them. And then it shifted to like a much more family feel of like, mm -hmm. hey, we care about you. I did tell them, I said, I need to take three months off. I told Katie, listen, I, we're, we'll take three months off and if you don't start getting better in those three months, I'll, I, we, we'll figure it out. Like, I'll come off the road. I'll get another job, whatever. And as we took this three months off, Katie started to get better. And just see God honoring these different things. And I just kicked myself for not doing it earlier. But I didn't know. I'm trying to please everybody. Katie, that had to be amazing, though, because you mentioned how earlier you knew very clearly what the priority was. Oh, yeah. And in that moment, it was crystal clear that the shift had happened. Yeah. that were the priority and to know that he was fighting for you on your behalf had to be amazing. Well, honestly, I was like, oh, I don't know. Should we do this? This Make feels trouble. scary. <laughs> like, yeah, when you've just lived so long one way, it felt really scary to be, I almost felt guilty that he was taking the time off. And it was I just did have a distorted view like of what I needed to do and what was expected of me and what was godly and all of these different things. And I was trying to do the right things. And again, another way that we did what we felt God calling us to do. I stepped up and I stood up for myself and God provided. That was going to be my next question yeah. is you take three months off. How in the world does God provide for this? And was that a scary step or was that a step of saying, no, I'm going to be obedient to God. I'm going to take care of my wife no matter how this shakes out. Well, I already knew that the Lord is going to provide because God had been faithful to provide. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to anything like that, I just know that God's going to provide. I can walk this way and the Lord's going to be there. Well, but it also in full transparency, like we, to be able to take that time off, we took out equity on our home. That's true. That's how we mm. survived. And I was doing a double session of therapy every week. But in my mind, it was like, I could give two rips about money. What's the point of money if we can't enjoy it? And you know, we have the equity in our home. This is the thing that we can do. Let's do it. And so we did it. And it's been a great investment because we paid off the equity. Katie's doing great and all is well. So it's like for us, we just made the most of what we had in front of us. It might not have been ideal. It might not have been the wisest uh, thing in some ways, but we just did what we could and God's honored it. That first three months was a big, big thing for us. And kind of drawing a line in the sand. Yeah. Yeah. And I yes. really believed it. Like, I think there were times where I'd be like, of course, like I really believed in my heart. You're number one. Like, yeah. you're num like, of course, like if someone had a gun to my head and said, 
unspoken or the, the but this is what this is how he'd prove his love to me all the time no you're number one if someone had and i'm like well uh that's There's, not going to happen. Yeah. No, yeah. but I really believed that. Like there was nothing in me that thought Katie was was Two. under yeah the band. It's just that I thought God will take care of you as God as I'm faithful to God. God will take care of you. So I it was a little distorted and it was it was just lack of wisdom. It was lack of better and it's a we, and it's a weird job. It's not you know <laughs> it's just a weird job and to figure it out as you go along is difficult. So. How is the marriage different once you came through this season where the anxiety is better? You took the three months off. There's that shift in perspective. Well, I mean, it was not, certainly not overnight. Uh, Katie needed time to get better and to work on herself. Time that she should have had our whole marriage. Um, Of course, then she had to come back through dealing with resentment and dealing with all these other things. And I couldn't help but be like, you're right. I mean, you're right. I hate it. And I just want you to get over it. So could you please get over it? (laughs) It was, uh, it was basically, he came off the road. I started really intense therapy and kind of started working backwards through like what I had just come through the medication to like all the stuff with the band and my resentment towards Chad and how he handled things then to my childhood. So it was a long three mm -hmm. years, but it's been amazing. And even though we fought and we battled over some of these things, like we still always got along pretty well. Like we still always enjoyed each other. Mm. But it's really been amazing to see God in the middle of it and to see that healing and to see that like legit healing that I'm not saying anything against medicine, but for us, it was like a Band-Aid that still leaked. And so when Katie said she wanted to come with the medicine, I was scared too a little bit. But I was like, I want you to actually be healed. For real, right. Yeah, and we prayed, and First John talks about, no, it's James, but talks about, you know, bringing the sick to the elders and anointing with oil. It's like, we did all that. Like, you know, we prayed, we called out, we fasted, we anointed with oil, we did it all. And, and we're so frustrated that God didn't show up quick enough and God didn't show up in the way that we wanted him to because— it would have been nothing for the Lord to just heal mm-hmm. Katie, you know, just touch her. But as I look back, we can see God and build our faith and all of this and all these little steps. It's like God allowed us to get to the place where we had literally had nowhere else to turn. Like we, we had nothing, nowhere else to go but him. And the gift that we were able to give our kids and that we continue to be able to give our kids is that there ain't nothing in this life that's going to sustain you and fill you and satisfy you, except for the Lord. Where do we run when things hit the fan? It's to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a gift to be able to give our kids and just trusting that God is continuing to make up that time. This was 19, like Katie's starting to get better. And like that summer, I just happened to like have a pretty slow summer. And uh, like we, we went to the pool every day and I was home. I didn't have to work. It was so peaceful and so wonderful. And it was like almost weird. <laughs> and I toured through the fall uh, with Stars Go Dim. And we had this huge number one song. And um, that was super fun. And then, you know, have the biggest money-making um, year of our careers on the books for 2020. And then all that goes away. And, uh, and we even saw God answer prayers we had been praying for years uh, in 2020. And so then I have these other two years where I played like 50 shows maybe in two years. I've been home and it's God 
restoring what the locusts have, have, mm-hmm. have stolen, have eaten. And so we're seeing all of that full circle. And then in the end, like all of this stuff is preparing us. And this is what I see in the scriptures and Romans and James, that um, the suffering develops perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And so everybody's going to suffer. We're going to go through things. We're not absent of it. It's, it's actually, Jesus said, in this life, what? We will have trials and troubles, um, but don't fear because, you know, I've overcome. That perseverance, that teaching us to push through, regardless of what that is, to stay committed to each other. I mean, I think that's one of the things about marriage. I heard somebody say that like a wedding ceremony isn't a proclamation of current love. It's one of future love, learning how to persevere through hardships. And then that builds our character and it gives us hope in in God, continues to point us to Jesus. And that God now, we're ready to receive what God wants to put into our hands more than we ever have. I feel that in my spirit big time. Of course, I'm a silver lining guy. I'm like, I'm like, this is all good, you know. I wish I hadn't gone through it. I wish I hadn't put the all the weight on Katie's shoulders, but I still see the goodness of God in the midst of our mistakes and shortcomings. And I'm so grateful for that. That's amazing. And I see a lot of things. I see obedience. I see surrender. I see, like you said, God makes up the difference when we do misstep and uh, we get things wrong. But I see a lot of love for each other, which is incredible as well. Chad, before we sign off here, what about Katie makes you smile? Um, The way she looks makes me smile, (laughs) Uh, first of all. Um, Girl, you huge. Um, Also, she has a justice heart sticking up for the least of these. And I love the fact that she will run to conflict, not to throw gas on it, but to pour water on it. So that I respect so much about her. Like she just takes care of stuff and she doesn't care what it takes and how awkward it's going to be, but she cares enough about people to nip things in the bud. The true peacemaker. Yeah. Right. And I've learned a lot from that. And since then... Like since this three month break a few years ago, like I've actually been stepping up and being like, you know, I'm still a, a peacemaker at heart, but I'm not faking it as much. When things bother me, I'm, I'm going to it, running to it, and I'm just hitting these problems head on. So I feel like that's one way that I've just grown from what she has. And then, you know, just the love that she has for people. Most of my friends like her more than they like me. <laughs> A lot of my friends call her, but uh, it's just special to see the way people love her and and respect her. And I get it easy because people love what I do and they respect what I do. They're inspired by that. They see God in it. And so people treat me like I already have an extra measure of favor and uh, from people. That's just what it is. I see it. I understand it. I get it. But the way that people love her is legit. And it's because of who she is. And the mother that she is. I mean, shoot, that's just, I could go on all day Please, long. Okay. <laughs> okay, Katie. Um, we know that I, you think he's obnoxious. Yeah, no, mine's not going to be nearly too. this long. Um, I love how Chad, I mean, though in some situations it can be frustrating, but I really do love how he sees the best in people. I'm like, oh, they did this. Can you believe it? And he's like, oh, they probably were having a hard day or this is going on. And so that is awesome he's silly and everybody loves that and it's fun for our kids and their friends and 
probably physique yes definitely (laughs) (laughs) no just the way he loves our kids super fun sweet and awesome well, thank you guys so much for taking time to share Hold with on, us. Hold on, let's give her another yeah. opportunity. Oh, what else? She wasn't done talking, uh, right? I'm just no. kidding. She was totally done. She was thinking. You know what? Call it in. We'll we'll add it to the end of the, the podcast. But no, thank you for um, your vulnerability and transparency and honesty. It gives so much inspiring. hope to people who are in those situations. Yeah, very mm-hmm. inspiring story. We appreciate it. And I love when God gets the credit for things, when you can step back and look at a story and say, God's fingerprints are all over that. He's That's the awesome. only reason that we are where we are today 100 percent, and that one piece of encouragement is remember that in the kingdom of god where you are now isn't necessarily where you're going to be Mm. and so i feel like so many of us see where we are now and we can't see past it because it's so hard but every time we've gotten through the things that we've faced all because of the grace and the love of god and the work that we had to put in as well Mm. and there's that part but, you know, sometimes it just feels like there's no way out. And, and God has already mapped out each one of yours listening victories before you even got into the fight. That's just a fact. He knows everything. Um, so he knows that you're going to get through it. He sees how you're going to do it. So don't give up on the one who doesn't give up on you. I'm so grateful that Chad and Katie took some time to share with us. That was a total behind her smile story right. for sure. Like who would have guessed all that was going on for someone like Chad in his position. And one of the things that really stood out to me was what he shared at the very end and mm-hmm. something I think deserves repeating that God, uh, oh, already, even before we step into the battle, mm-hmm. God already has our victory mapped out. It's already, it's already there. Yeah. We just have to wait for it. So maybe you're in the battle right now and you're wondering where the world your victory is, or maybe sometimes you're like me and you think that God's figuring it out as you mm-hmm. go. No, he already has it figured out. He's not pacing the floor of heaven, wondering mm-hmm. what to do next. He knows. So thank you so much for listening today. If you would like to connect with us, we are on Facebook at Behind Our Smiles and we are on Instagram at Behind Our Smiles Pod. And your five-star rating is huge. It does help others find the podcast. Your review means a lot to us as well. So thank you again to Chad and Katie Matson for sitting down and sharing with us. Thank you to Mark Stubinger, our producer, and our amazing sponsor, Samaritan Ministries. When a medical need arises, you get to choose your healthcare providers and treatments that work best for you and your family. It is affordable. There are no network restrictions. You can join today and you can find out more today. Just go to SamaritanMinistries.org slash smiles.